Good morning, everybody. Uh, like Pastor Seth said, my name is Micah. If I haven't had the chance to meet you yet, um, I definitely would love to. Um, so as, as he also said, my wife and I, Kaylee, are the next-gen pastors here, and we love it so much. We get to hang out with college students all day and, and high school students, and they're a blast, y'all. And let me say something. Like, they, they're going to change this world. I have no doubt in my mind, but I'm, I'm so honored to get to be up here with y'all today. I just want to first say thank you so much to, to Seth and Kendra for how much y'all, y'all poured into us. To Kay, I wouldn't be married to my wife if it weren't for y'all. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so we, Kaylee and I have had the chance to, to get to serve under Seth and Kendra for several years now. And, uh, and we're just, we're so thankful for how much y'all have poured into us. And uh, we definitely wouldn't be where we are today without y'all. We love y'all so much. But I want to catch y'all up to speed on where we are. So this is week four of the life of David. Right, so I want to catch you up. We are in uh, week one. Pastor Seth talked about how humans make really bad kings. Right, Israel, they really wanted an earthly king. They no longer wanted just God to be their ruler. Right, so they, they put King Saul in this position. Week two, Pastor Nick Burton from our Fort Smith campus came, and he talked about David getting anointed as king. Saul or Samuel had a lot of really great options, right? But instead of, instead of just seeing these great options, he heard from the Lord. The Lord said that I don't look at the outward appearance. I look at the heart. And we know that David is a man after God's own heart. And then last week, Pastor Seth talked about the story of David and Goliath. We learned that we are not the hero in the story, right? We are, we are not David in the story. It's a, it's a perfectly clear picture of Jesus coming, the ultimate shepherd, to, to save us from everything. So the end of last week, David kills Goliath and goes up to King Saul, and this is where we left off at the end of chapter 17. This is last week. As soon as David returned from killing the Philistine, right, Abner took him and brought him before Saul, and David was still holding the Philistine's head. Whose son are you, young man? Saul asked him. David said, I'm the son of your servant, Jesse of Bethlehem. And so this is where we're starting today. First Samuel chapter 18, verses one through four. After David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan became one in spirit with David, and he loved him as himself. Everybody say one in spirit. So if you like titles, if you like putting titles on sermons, that's, that's the title of today's sermon. From the day that Saul kept David with him and did not let him return home to his family, and Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself, Jonathan took off the robe he was wearing and gave it to David along with his tunic and even his sword, his bow and his belt. So just to, to bring you up to where we are, Jonathan is actually the oldest son of King Saul, all right? And these guys, their relationship, it defied all odds. They were not supposed to be friends with each other. Like, at, like literally, Jonathan was the oldest son, the, the, the oldest son of the king of Israel. And Jonathan was the, the youngest son of a farmer. Just to put it into per, today's perspective, Jonathan was probably sleeping at the palace on a Tempur-Pedic mattress, right? While David was probably laying on the ground with sheep. It was gross, right? Jonathan was, was eating Ruth's Chris for every meal, 
while David was, was maybe wondering when he would have his next meal, right? So these guys, their relationship defied all odds. But I want, I'll say all this to say that the friendship could not have happened. There's no chance that this relationship would have happened if it weren't for the Lord being at the absolute center. These guys were one in spirit, right? This is a real friendship. This is a covenant relationship. The word covenant in today's terms just means a contract, right? A le- like a, a legally binding contract. Well, this meant, this covenant relationship meant that they, could, they were always going to have each other's backs no matter what. Back in, in the ancient times, what they would do is they would get an animal. So two tribes, they're like, hey, we're going to form this covenant relationship. Two tribes would get this animal. They'd bring it. They'd, it's pretty gruesome. They'd chop it in half. They'd split the body. And what they would do, both tribes would walk through the center and around the animal in a figure eight, right? An, an infinity sign. So, Pastor Seth, if you could bring that goat up here. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. But aren't y'all glad we don't do that anymore? Amen. But that symbolized back in that time that this is a bond that could never be broken. But one vital part of their friendship forming, like I said, was their individual relationships with the Lord. So right after this moment, Jonathan realizes that David would one day become king. He, he took off all of his stuff. He puts it on David. And at that moment, it was very clear to each of them, not just to one of them, but to both of them, that they were always going to have each other's backs no matter what. Now, these are very rare friendships, right? These, these friendships don't, don't happen every day. But what I want to talk about this morning is how to find them and how to create bonds like this. Question, do you have a real friend like this? And if not, are you willing to be this kind of friend for someone else? When I was in high school, I ran around with a bunch of dudes that I thought were, were really great friends, right? But they, they ended up not being the best of friends. So a little bit about me. I grew up in church, grew up going to one of our campuses in central Arkansas and uh, was at church every Sunday, was at church every Wednesday. Anytime I had an opportunity to go to church, I was there. I had a great relationship with the Lord. Well, halfway through my sophomore year of high school, I meet these group of guys and I, they're far from the Lord. I'm like, I'm going to bring these guys closer to Jesus, right? And so I, I did that. But what I, the mistake that I made was that I actually started spending more time with them than the people who were actually pushing me closer to Jesus. So by the end of my sophomore year of high school, sitting in biology class, and there's a knock at the door. It's a police officer, walks in. He's like, Micah, can you please come out to the hallway, please? So the entire classroom, they look at me, and what do they say? Ooh, that's exactly right. That's exactly what happened, and it was absolutely humiliating. So I walk outside. The police officer's like, Micah, do you have anything on you? I was like, I don't have anything on me, but I have something in my car. I'll just tell you, the day was 420, all right? And, uh, and I, so we walk out to my car. I give them the stuff out of my car. They put me in handcuffs. So we're walking back to the school, open the doors to the school. As soon as the door opens, the bell rings. And let me tell you, it's one thing to get in trouble, but it's a whole other thing when there's an audience as well. And so all my friends rush out of, the, out of their classrooms, into the hallways, all my classmates, and they see me being escorted down the hallway in handcuffs. It was absolutely humiliating. But that's when I realized 
the first time that if I, <laughs> yeah, I've had a lot of mistakes the first time, that it's way more important to, to spend time with people, with good people, right? So the moral of the story is you can have good character, you can have great morals and the absolute best intentions, but if you surround yourself with the wrong people, you will eventually, and I promise, you will eventually fail. First Corinthians 15.33, it says, bad company ruins good morals. Proverbs 13.20, it says, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. I've heard it said this way. This isn't in scripture, but show me your friends and I'll show you your future, right? This, this relationship, the relationships in your life are either pushing you towards Christ or they're pulling you away. There's, there's really no in between. But back to the story. Once this friendship started, one of the first things that Jonathan did, as I just mentioned, was he gave him his robe. He gave, put it on David. He gave him his robe, his armor, his sword, his bow. He sacrificed his own stuff for David, which brings me to my first point. A real friend is willing to sacrifice. A real friend is willing to sacrifice. At this point, like I said, Jonathan knows, he, it's very clear to him that David is going to be king one day. The definition of sacrifice is something either has to die or something is just destroyed. Say you've got a friend who's, who's struggling, like really going through it. Maybe, maybe they're going through a divorce or they're just lost their job. You see, you see their name pop up on your phone. They're calling you. A good friend is going to answer that thing, really, no matter what kind of situation you're in. Whether it's three in the morning, a, an unreal friend is going to hit that shady button, right, and put it, put it away. And another example, right, is say you got a friend, you're texting back and forth, back and forth, super quickly. And then you send the text, you say, hey, actually tomorrow, I'm really needing some help moving, right? And then it's a ghost town. You see those three little, three little dots, they go up, and then they go down, and then there's nothing after that, right? So it's, that's when you really find out who your friend, real friends are. And this one, this isn't a point, but, but this is a, a really strong thing that, that I found this week. Everyone wants the benefits of having a real friend, but not many are willing to make the sacrifice of being a real friend. Sacrifice is very rare in the world that we live in today. Isn't that right? Which is why we don't see much of it. We, we know this all to be true, that sacrifice is not sexy, the world says, what's in it for me? All the word says, what can I do for you? How can I serve you? Right? And maybe you've heard it this way. My pleasure. Hashtag Chick-fil-A. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but a real friend, a real friend is a person who has excessive interest in you, while a narcissist or an unreal friend isn't, has excessive interest in themselves. So I'm going to give you all some, just a few red flags of some unreal friends. They put their own needs first. Surface level conversations. Oh man, y'all watch the hog game last night? And that's, that's the end of the conversation, right? When you need them, they will not be there unless it's in their best interest. They feel entitled to time with you. They steal your spotlight. Unreasonable expectations on you. Rarely show remorse, struggle to forgive, and they use you. If you have a friend 
that checks all of these boxes, you may re- need to reevaluate that friendship. In our world today, that everyone is maybe not asking this out loud, but asking it a lot, is, well, what's in it for me? What's, what's this relationship do for me? Sacrifice is laying something down for absolutely no reward yourself. Right, so since Jonathan, right back to the story, was Saul's oldest son, what that typically meant back in that time is that since he's his oldest son, he's probably next in line to be king. And typically the people who are next in line to be king wear a specific type of robe. Well, that robe, when he realized that David was going to be next king, he takes that robe off. He puts it on David. He not only gives him probably his favorite jacket that he's ever had, right? He probably wore that thing all the time. But he literally sacrificed being the next king over Israel. This is huge, y'all. He sacrificed his inheritance, everything that he was promised, because he knew that, that the Lord had spoken. What if we lived with the thought in our mind, what can we do for other people? Right, that's what Jesus did, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. He came, he laid his, his life down, he sacrificed his life for us. But even, think about this, he did this knowing that there would be people who would never call on his name, who'd never accept him. He still sacrificed. That leads us to the next part of the story. So David was in the king's house, right? He built this amazing relationship with the king's son, Jonathan. He, and, and he starts gaining a lot of favor with people around him. A lot of people saw David and, and were just naturally drawn to him. All right, well, this, this kind of makes Saul, King Saul, a little, a little salty, right? That he starts to get a little bit jealous. And he gets so jealous, it, it gets to the point where he wants David killed. He not only wants him killed, but he asks his son, David's best friend, to kill him, which is pretty insane. So right after he finds, Jonathan finds out, he hears about this, he finds David, and he says in chapter 18, he says, my father Saul is looking for a chance to kill you. Be on your guard tomorrow morning. Go into hiding and stay there. I will go out and I will stand with my father in the field where you are. I'll speak to him about you and will tell you what I find out. My second point is this. A real friend is someone who always has your back. So Jonathan, he's looking out for his friend against his dad, yeah, but also his king, right? He's, he's going to bat for his best friend. There may be times in your life where people in authority, right, maybe a, a boss or a parent or, or someone in authority over your life asks you to do something that you know isn't right. Well, that's what happened to the apostles in Acts as well. They were told to stop preaching the gospel. They refused, so they were beaten they were, they were, some of them were killed, right? In Acts chapter five, it says, we ought to obey God rather than men. This is a perfect picture of why Jonathan did what he did for David. He knew that he was supposed to obey God rather than men. But back to the story. First Samuel 19, four says, and Jonathan spoke well of David to Saul, his father, and said to him, let not the king sin against his servant, David, because he has not sinned against you and because his deeds, they've wrought good to you, right? He was defending David to his dad, even when David wasn't around. Right after this, again, Jonathan is talking to his dad, Saul. 
For he took his life in his hand and struck down the Philistine. And the Lord worked a great salvation for all of Israel. You saw it and you rejoiced. Why then will you sin against innocent blood by killing David without cause? And Saul listened to the voice of Jonathan. Saul swore, as the Lord lives, he shall not be put to death. And Jonathan called David. And Jonathan reported to him all these things. And Jonathan brought David to Saul and he was in his presence as before. And I wish, I wish that I could just read that and just be like, all right, that's the end of the story. Everybody lived happily ever after. But that wasn't, sadly. How many of y'all know that, that when one storm in your life comes to an end, it won't be long before the next one comes, right? So the next part of, part of my story, after I got arrested, I found Jesus again, right? Started hanging out with my good friends, and then uh, about halfway through my junior year, so it wasn't that much time, really. But halfway through my junior year, I meet these, these group of guys. I have a solid relationship with the Lord again. I'm like, these dudes are far from God. I'm going to help bring them closer to Jesus. And don't, don't get me wrong. It is not a bad thing. There's nothing wrong with spending time with people who are far from God. We're actually encouraged to do that. All right? It's called evangelism. Right, But your closest friends, the people who are in your inner circle, need, not just should, but they need to be pushing you closer to God. But then after some time, I found myself at a party almost every single weekend, drinking. Sunday morning, I was hungover, and that happened through the rest of my high school career, right? And after I graduated high school, I moved away to Florida met this solid group of friends. They pushed me closer to Jesus. And luckily, I haven't made that mistake again. But these, these kind of real friends are the ones that, that fill me up and they don't drain me. Question, do you have friends, do your close friends bring you life or do they drain it out of you? In these moments, y'all, whenever, whenever these, these tough times happen, it's so important to have a close friend, to have someone who you can lean on. I honestly, I only have a few people in my life who I can be 100% my true self with. But we need those people in our life. Which brings me to my third point. A real friend is a constant source of encouragement. A constant source of encouragement. A few years ago, I had a, a childhood friend pass away in a car accident. It was, whenever he passed away, I, we weren't that close anymore. We were, we were really close growing up, but we weren't that close anymore. But I had never experienced having someone my own age, at, at my age at that point, I think I was 19, pass away. And it just, it like, it hit differently. Like it was just something that I had never experienced before. But praise the Lord, whenever I got that news, I was with one of those, those real friends. And they, he wrapped his arm around me. He allowed me to cry. He didn't say, dry him up. He didn't judge me. He, he sat there. He encouraged me. And I remember, like, he even cried with me. He just, that, that is a perfect picture of a real friend. Right? After all this happened, back to the story, Jonathan encouraged David. 1 Samuel 23, 15 through 18 says, David saw 
that Saul had come out to seek his life. David was in the wilderness of Ziph at Horish. And Jonathan, Saul's son, rose and went to David at Horish and encouraged him in God. Don't be afraid, he said. My father Saul will not lay a hand on you. You will be king over Israel, and I will be second to you. Even my father Saul knows this. And the two of them made a covenant before the Lord. And Jonathan went home, but David remained at Horish. There's been many times in my life, and I know in y'all's, where, where you need encouragement. And if I didn't have those real friends in my life, those real true friends, I promise you I would not be standing here today. No question. I hope that you can see that the kind of friendship that David and Jonathan had isn't one that you just find every day. It's one that has to be grown, that has to be built, has to be cultivated, if you will. And if you've been around church for any amount of time, you've probably heard the phrase, you've got a friend in Jesus. All right, this is pretty, pretty good news for us. It's not just good news, it's the best news that we could possibly have. The gospel message is about Jesus taking on flesh and becoming friends with sinners like me, with people who make mistakes like me and like you. His friendship was the ultimate sacrifice, right? As a child of the Lord, as a child of God, he always has our back. And if you allow him to be, he can be a constant source of encouragement. Jesus says to his disciples in John 15, verses 14 and 15, you are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. Jesus came to save us from all of our sins. Absolutely, no question. But he also says, if you... If you follow me, if you call upon my name and you accept me the Lord of your life, then I'll be your friend. I don't, he's not, Jesus isn't just like, oh, he's just a friend. This is a real friend, right? The scripture goes on to say that he will never leave you nor forsake you. Isn't it wild that Jesus, God in flesh, came down from heaven and calls us friends? It's pretty wild to me. So I've got, I've got two prayers for y'all that I'm, I'm gonna pray today, but also I'm going to continue to pray for. My first prayer is that you would be able to find a friendship like David and Jonathan had with each other if you don't already. That you'd be able to build that strong relationship of real friends who would be able to speak into your life and push you closer to Jesus. And the second thing is that if you haven't been able, or if you haven't made the decision to follow Jesus, he, he wants to call you a friend. But the only way for that to happen is for you to accept him into your heart. So I'm gonna pray and uh, give y'all the opportunity to do that today. So if everyone could bow your heads.